This show is supported by Silverbird, your business account for international trade. You're listening to Trading Places. The global market for cannabidiol, better known as CBD, operates in a strange grey area between legal and illegal. For example, in the US, it's completely legal. In Australia, it's legal but with strict medical conditions. Yet in Russia, being caught with something as seemingly harmless as hemp-based shampoo could see you imprisoned for up to 15 days. And that's just for anything less than 6 grams. Anything more, and it could be up to 20 years. CBD is part of an industry that was born from the black market. It's only legal in some places today because in the early 2000s, Canada took the lead in decriminalising medical and then recreational marijuana, partly to get rid of the black market trade. Canadians should expect a big laundry list of new products to hit the cannabis store shelves. Now that weed is legal, I don't have to feel the... I don't know the word, but it's not a negative thing anymore, which it shouldn't be. I think it's like a big deal. It's like a historical moment, right? It's like a crack in like the puritanical ideals of like the past. That led to more and more countries legalising medical and sometimes recreational marijuana. Later developments extended those markets to CBD. It's still in the early days of boom and bust and scrabbling for market share, and the lingering stigma of illegality still hovers. But today, a swathe of serious CBD business people hope for not much longer. I think there's a natural suspicion, particularly around financial institutions, on dealing in that industries because there's always the old hangover, the stigma that this is an illegal product and are we getting into money laundering or dealing with criminals. Why would anybody want to take a mind-altering drug if it is a prescription drug? When you do walk into a legal dispensary, as of now, even in the legal states, I believe the bud tenders in those dispensaries aren't required to have a medical background or any sort of pharmaceutical background. But however, the fact is that it's a nascent industry that was a while ago, a grey area, and it's only since a farm bill in 2018 in in the US that it has been legalised, really. And so the regulatory framework around CBD is changing, but slowly. Oliver Horn is the CEO of Elixinol Global, a seven-year-old US-based hemp producer that has gone all in on CBD wellness products. When the US legalised CBD in late 2018, the company was one of the first out of the blocks with cannabidiol products. Oliver, can you describe some of the difficulties Elixinol has faced that have been caused by stigma or misunderstandings about the industry? As a public listed company, we only work in geographies where we can be 100% compliant. It's not negotiable for us. We don't take any compliance or regulatory or legal risks. For example, access to funding in the US. A lot of banks wouldn't deal with CBD companies in, in the early stage. Loans were harder to come by. Financing in general you know, is harder to come by for a CBD company. And certainly in the UK, where we have a, a business here, you know, banks are reluctant to deal with businesses in that sector. And we found it hard to find a, a UK bank account, same in Germany as well. And the difficulties many aspiring CBD companies faced 
is often tied in with global misconceptions about what CBD actually is. Because for many, CBD was often seen as no different from recreational marijuana. I'm sorry, but this medicinal use is all very well, but it's the top of a slippery slope. Well, I used to be a proponent of criminalization of marijuana. I'm no longer. And that misconception played a role in challenges businesses such as Oliver's faced. But CBD has effects that are quite different to those that recreational marijuana users are looking for, and different again from the effects medical marijuana developers are seeking. CBD, or cannabidiol, and THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, are natural compounds found in plants of the cannabis genus, and CBD can be extracted from either hemp or marijuana. Marijuana is now more often called cannabis, as the global industry tries to rebrand away from its hippie reputation. THC is the psychoactive compound that produces the typical high, and also has strong medicinal properties. CBD also has psychoactive properties, that's how it works, but not the mind-bending ones of THC. And if all of this seems confusing, the CBD we are talking about in this episode only comes from hemp, because hemp contains very little THC. A lot of grey areas arise around the world because CBD oil may contain trace amounts of THC, as it's present at low levels in the hemp plant. But in the US, for example, CBD can have no more than 0.3% THC to be sold legally. Look, I think it has all to do with stigma um, about the marijuana plant and the historic perceived abuse um, of the marijuana plant. We know that the marijuana plant has been used for thousands of years you know, in traditional medicine you know, for all kinds of applications. But modern legislation has criminalized it and has criminalized the industries um, that were built around it. Now, I'm not propagating the use of, of marijuana by all, but it's just an example of how this industry has been stigmatized and criminalized disproportionately you know, to other areas of economies. Now, I firmly believe that what we're seeing in front of us right now is a huge surge in individuals and consumers understanding that the medicinal use of marijuana is a safe pathway to treat health conditions and uh, create preventative health disciplines. Elixinol finally got that UK bank account recently as banks slowly wake up to the CBD opportunity, but only after two years of doing business in that country. Until then... The workaround, while legal, didn't have the look of being completely above board. In the early days, for our European business, the place that we actually opened a bank account was in the Netherlands. That actually created a lot of challenges as well for us as a business, because if you were a UK consumer and you had to wire your funds into a Dutch bank account, that was not the easiest transaction to do and actually put a lot of consumers off buying products with their credit cards when it all of a sudden yeah, was a surcharge and a transaction. But while banks control the purse strings, there's a more fearful entity that CBD companies need to watch out for. Medical regulators. I asked Oliver where the tripwires are for CBD businesses in a world where saying the wrong thing can land them in a lot of hot water. Let's talk about the US first. We've 
created a digitally native business, particularly as a response to COVID. And so all of our marketing spend is digital uh, in nature. And there's very stringent uh, regulations in place. There's very limited health claims that you can make, very limited marketing claims that you can make. Every single marketing message gets past a, a regulatory team and a legal team to get approvals because what we don't want is to associate ourselves with a lot of bad actors who associate CBD with all kinds of miracle cures. Regulators like the powerful US Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, have strict rules around what can be said about health products. In tightly regulated medical markets like Australia and Mexico, CBD can only be sold as a medical product. In Europe and the UK, you can sell over-the-counter CBD, but only with the right permit. In the US, it is illegal to put CBD in food or call it a health supplement, although California changed its laws in October to allow this. In every jurisdiction, companies aren't allowed to claim without clinically tested proof that their CBD products can do things like offer pain relief, help with depression, prevent bone disease, or diagnose and cure COVID-19. All of these, by the way, are claims made by companies who were pinged by the US FDA in 2021. So what can CBD do? And what is it? Cannabidiol, which is CBD's full name, is one of more than 80 cannabinoids contained in the marijuana plant and in hemp plants. It's mostly extracted from hemp, which contains very low concentrations of its much more famous cousin, THC. Cannabinoids interact with the body's endocannabinoid system, a signaling network of receptors and enzymes that we still don't know much about, but which is involved in regulating a wide range of bodily functions, from appetite right through to mood. There is a massive body of research on marijuana, but to date, there's still very little that measures, in a clinically relevant way, the effect each individual cannabinoid actually has in the body. In the case of CBD, research suggests it can help with burnout, fibromyalgia, and as an antimicrobial to treat gonorrhea. We've just started a clinical trial in Australia, which is really exciting. That is looking into the indication of sleeplessness. We have two divisions in our business. One is a medical um, division. So that's all about clinical trials, observational trials, registries, and really gathering the evidence to use the plant for medical applications, where we're looking at patients with more chronic illnesses, where to date that they haven't been able to get the appropriate benefit from other drugs. And the other division is more consumer facing. So it's about wellness. It's about ingestibles, skincare, lifestyle products. This is Joe Patterson, the chief executive of Australian CBD wellness company Bod Pharmaceuticals. It is running a series of clinical trials in order to register its products with Australia's regulator, the TGA, and meet its strict requirements so they can be legally sold in the country. That essentially means that consumers 
can access the product via their pharmacy without the need of a prescription. So that um, the type of product is mandated under the TGA. They recently approved a low-dose CBD to be brought to market under this Schedule 3 regulation. We feel that we'll be able to use a lot of that work and that research to give us registrations in other markets. Our business is very much about clinical research, registering products for specific indications and for patients. Because CBD got its start as a non-medical product in that US farm bill, it has a bit of a reputation around the world, more as a nutraceutical product. You know, the kind that you can pick up over the counter at a chemist to try and dull aches and pains, for example, or perhaps help your skin if it's in a face wash. But companies like BOD are trying to change that reputation and carve out a niche in the heavily saturated market by taking the medical pathway. Joe, what are the big medical CBD markets for you? In terms of Europe and the UK, UK is pretty early in the medical kind of play. We are there. We're participating in a number of significant trials, which is great because that builds education for our product amongst those specialists. But it's a small market at the moment and seems to be following a similar pathway to Australia, the way that Australia evolved. I do think it's going to be three to four times larger than Australia. I think once that momentum starts to build, it really will build. And it's it's a great market and it's not dissimilar to Australia. The largest medical market in Europe is actually Germany. So we don't play in that market because traditionally it's been high THC products and flour, and both of those we don't participate in at the moment. Why did you choose CBD? What was it that attracted you? We started back in 2014 with a vision uh, to develop science-led and research-led plant medicines And the opportunity for cannabis then came about in about 2017 and then from a commercial stance, 2018, where we were really developing innovations and products, both in terms of ingestibles and skincare and looking at lifestyle products as well. The whole cannabis opportunity started to open up and some of these major markets such as the US started to open up. That's also about an agricultural play. It's also about the innovation of product development, both for the medical space as well as for the wellness space. The US is the promised land for CBD companies, as CBD is completely legal there. Unlike medical and recreational marijuana, which contains THC, which is legal in some states and not others, But the US is also the land of boom and bust, and where some of the largest number of CBD players are going bankrupt as we speak. The surge in interest following legalization in 2018 caused a flood of raw biomass and CBD products into the retail market, that is gummy lollies, creams, oils and so on. Oliver says prices for raw hemp have dropped by 90% in 2021 which means CBD companies have seen values halve and the broader market has declined by as much as a third as people drop prices to clear inventory. It's like going to Silicon Valley five years after the bubble burst. It's very similar to the dot-com bubble as the CBD market went through its enormous boom 2017-2018. A lot of companies opened up, invested themselves. A lot of hemp biomass was grown. 
And now we're in an oversupply situation. Everybody anticipated huge growth. And that means you build supply chain capability, you build inventory, you build warehouses that deal with that. And you create a team that fuels that growth. And that was this boom period. And certainly now we're going to the bust period. Yeah, foreclosures, liquidations are at an all-time high. Yeah, and we see the market adjusting. That is good news in a way, even though it's stressful you know, for the market, because that means that the people who don't have staying power, you don't have a robust service offering uh, dropping out. Oliver believes the US is 12 to 18 months away from the end of this bust. And of the 3,000 companies existing today in the US CBD industry, perhaps 300 will be left. The survivors of this downturn will be the ones with the most cash to tide them through and the most innovative. Even Europe and the UK, the other major global markets, are not immune. Europe is not a retail market like the US, but a regulated medical market for CBD. The UK is more of a hybrid. Elixinol itself killed a deal to buy German company Canacare Health, which Oliver says was because Europe was becoming too hot to handle. They were the leading brand in the drugstore channel, over 60% market share, and arguably yeah, the biggest brand in German retail. We started our due diligence in December, throughout Christmas last year. What has happened um, since we signed in March, we noticed that the market um, is taking a turn for the worse. There's more competitors coming in, funding and investments going into the market, companies actively soliciting the business of our existing customers with very aggressive investment plans. That's you know, probably a testament to how dynamic those markets are, um, how dynamic the CBD market is. But like in the US, the landscape of the European and UK CBD markets is changing rapidly, which will see the current saturation of companies and products whittled down quickly. Bod Pharmaceuticals boss Joe says the new requirement to have non-medical products approved as novel foods will cut out players who aren't serious. That's a system where companies must outline exactly what is in their product and what it does in the body, essentially proving that it's safe for humans. So in the UK and Europe now, you need a novel food registration in order for you to be able to sell a CBD product unless you were on the market before a certain date, which we were. So we can continue to sell those products until we receive our novel food registrations. It's limiting both the UK market and the European market at the moment, simply because you can't bring new products to market right now until you have a novel food registration. We think it's going to make it not more competitive because a number of organisations can't afford to do a novel food registration. So I think there might be a bit of consolidation. So those very small little cottagey brands, there might be consolidation in that area and certainly hope to be at the forefront of that. What are the trends that you are now seeing in the industry, Joe? There's certainly a big bricks and mortar play to be had over there. But again, it depends on your positioning. You can certainly access it via Holland and Barrett. But then there's also Selfridges coming to the table. There's Amazon, of course, and some other large D2C players as well. We're selling hemp seed oil products in Italy. There's a lot of movement in both Italy and in France once novel food comes through and even Germany. So, you know, we're there, we've done our novel food registration and when that comes through, we can go to market. We're respecting the market, where it sits. We're not going to try and push products to a market that is 
we're not allowed. So we do have experts already working with us that constantly sort of watch those markets, watch the opportunities and understand the best way to market. The cacophony of global regulations is leading to some unusual outcomes and potentially undermining both national laws and markets for CBD and medical marijuana. Loopholes abound. One allows Australians to bypass the country's strict prescribing laws and access and bring home medical marijuana from Thailand, which was the first Asian country to legalise medical marijuana. And there are warnings that CBD from the US, grown under bare minimum standards, is being chemically changed into a psychoactive cousin of THC and making its way into highly regulated markets like Australia as medical grade medical cannabis. At the other end is protectionist Europe, which requires all CBD sold in the EU to come from European genetics and seeds. The sheer variety of regulations means the industry is very local, as companies that want to play in Europe must stay in Europe. And yet, it's also very global. For example, for manufacturers outside Europe, raw hemp can come from anywhere. From powerhouse grower Colombia to the world's largest hemp producer, China, which incidentally formally banned CBD beauty products earlier in 2021, despite huge demand. And to the disappointment of exporters everywhere, it refuses to entertain the idea of medicalized CBD. CBD trend is a global trend, and we've seen across you know, all jurisdictions, it's really started in the US as, as a, the first mover country uh, geography. Yeah, but then quickly went into Europe and now sitting um, Australia as well. By and large, on how the products um, you know are produced and manufactured, this is all local. Um, source in Australia or some of the biomass for the hemp foods is actually sourced also from China, which does very good organic biomass, but it's all food grade. And then in the US, it's all grown in the US, and we have very strong relationships to the growers and have a, have a very close oversight of the supply chain. So it's all locally manufactured. And then in Europe, all the CBD has to come from European genetics and European seeds. We have a local supply chain there as well. So it's very localized the industry. We don't ship necessarily across continents. It's clear certain sections of the global CBD industry are fighting for credibility, and some companies appear to be winning. But stigma is still there. And there's a long way to go before the general public fully understand what CBD is and what it can be used for. Oliver says when people find out what he does, some still ask, with all seriousness, whether he can get them some weed. There's a long way to go to understand that CBD is, is not cannabis, it's not marijuana. And, you know, if every time we, I engage in that conversation, people's eyes glaze over because then the science comes out and you have to explain what THC is and how highly it's regulated and becomes from a very lighthearted conversation on the playground to this very deep science communication and one of our TGA regulations. And so this happens all the time. This happens absolutely all the time. Joe, who works more closely in the medical side of CBD, believes the message is getting out there to the people who need it. It really is this amazing moment when you actually hear the patient stories, which I'm not allowed to share 
and again, that's governed by regulations. But it's just so profound when you hear some of these um, patient stories, you know, particularly around chronic pain. I mean, I read their stories. They say things like, you've saved my life. They've had no answers for, for such a long time. And I actually have now the fortune of working for quite a few years in the space, have read a number of those stories, and that's why we're here. CBD, whether as an over-the-counter health boost or something more heavy-hitting, is an industry in flux. As regulations shift, new markets open, existing ones like Chinese cosmetics shut down, and attitudes change. Even during a bust that is as big as the previous boom, businesses are carving out niches to try and grab a competitive advantage for when the market turns and a more mature CBD industry emerges. Today, the US is the biggest market, and people like Oliver expect changes there that mirror the UK's and Europe's novel food registration approach. On a global basis, because CBD doesn't produce that THC-like high, regulations tend to be less restrictive, but figuring out which market allows what kind of product is difficult. CBD skincare might be legal to sell in the UK, but it's certainly not in Australia. All of this means the future belongs to two types of companies. Those with big presences in key markets, which are using the current downturn to grab market share, like Elixinol, and those which are creating a moat between them and the mass market, like Bod's medical play. Over the last three years, most experts have been very wrong about what the future holds for CBD. But today, we do know one thing. CBD isn't going back into the shadows. Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel Williamson, and you've been listening to Trading Places.